0: Hello, my name is Icy Liu. Welcome to Ungrafted, a podcast about wine, humanity, and the planet. If you like what you hear, please rate us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Also, follow and write to us on Instagram at ungraftedpodcast. We're speaking to Zev Ravine, who started his natural wine importing company, Zev Ravine Selections in 2009. In early July, 2020, one of Zev's Italian producers, Valentina Pascualacqua, was under scrutiny when her father was placed under house arrest by the police. He owns a vegetable company and is accused of exploiting his migrant workers. In mid-July, Zev announced that he would discontinue his relationship with Valentina. We will be discussing the working contract he plans to have with his wineries as a response. Hi, Zev, thank you for being with us. Today and uh, can you tell begin by telling us um, a little bit about Zev Rovin Selections?
1: Um, sure. First, uh, thanks for having me. Um, happy to talk on on these subjects. Um, Zev Rovin Selections is is a company that I started, like you said, in two thousand eight. Um, we started very small. It was just me and um, a couple of pallets of wine that uh, I had imported. From France and I I was uh, in Brooklyn at the time where I still am and the company is still based and I kind of went out and sold it and you know took the profits and went back and bought more wine and um, you know I think natural wine has been a um, integral part of of the company you know at this point we do only natural wine Um, that wasn't the case initially when we started um, but as I traveled Europe and visited wineries and sort of built up my, you know, personal philosophy of the right ways to make wine and sell wine and, and do what we do, um, I became really attracted to the natural wine movement um, and that's where, that's where I stayed.
0: And so how many winemakers do you work with today and uh, across how many, and in how many countries?
1: I think it's like 150, 140 wineries. um, And it's across maybe 13 or 14 countries. Wow. Um, We've really expanded a lot in Central Europe. Um, We started working with sake and some other products from Japan. Um, You know, some American wine, Canadian wine, Mexican wine. So we try to kind of... Go where the natural wine is is kind of what what draws us to where we go
0: and currently you only work in the u s uh, across how many states
1: We sell in uh forty states, I think, and um currently we only work in the u s although we are working on some uh wholesale projects in some other countries
0: okay. And so your idea of a working contract actually came about, if I'm um, correct, before the Valentina story. So do you want to tell us a little bit about its genesis?
1: Sure. Um, you know, I think, the, I think the murder of George Floyd really sparked a lot of uh, feelings about social justice in people. It certainly did in me. And you know not that we didn't have these feelings already, or we weren't thinking about these issues already, but it it just brought the conversation so much to the to the surface um for so many people and I was seeing a lot of um you know wineries or wholesalers facing like cancelling problems um, around the industry for different reasons, and you know there's all sorts of perspectives on cancel culture and how right or wrong it is and where it should be in our society and everything um but you know some of the things that i saw people getting canceled for were things that i was like yeah of course like these people should not be able to behave like this and you know continue to thrive in the market um you know with no accountability to it and so that was kind of like the basic genesis of it and you know um I just kind of put together a bunch of things in my mind that, and thoughts on paper that were, you know, grounds for me to stop working with somebody, basically. And I felt like it was easier to, um, you know, enter every relationship with the winery that we work with, with those rules on the table, right? Rather than do what, you know, anybody who works with a bunch of wineries like we do, will have to do, which is like to basically audit your own portfolio, um, and your own behavior over time. You know, we've, we've dropped people in the past for, for behavioral issues. Um, and, you know, I'm sure there are people in our portfolio, uh, who might, you know, cross some lines that we're going to outline, um, in the working contract, but, you know, I think by having a contract, by having everybody sign it, by putting um, our expectations and standards of production um, onto paper, at least we're putting everybody on notice to some of you, you know, and, and we're creating the discussion around it.
0: And in the past, have they mostly, what are some of the reasons um, where you've discontinued working with producers?
1: Um, you know, there, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of sexism in the industry you know it's a it's an industry where there's a lot of people out in um there's a lot of people out in bars drinking carrying on and everything um and people cross lines and you know when they do you have to like stand up for the for the for the victims in these situations and you know have a, an economic impact on it, or at least it, it doesn't feel right to have people who behave in those ways in your portfolio. So so for us in the past, it's been over sexism issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, with the Paso situation, you know, that was a really complicated one. There were there were elements of it, um, you know, that were really hard to try to come on the right side of. Um, you know, I'm still not 100% sure I did. I think I did. Um, but you know it's uh it can be complex things
0: back to the working contract what does it address exactly
1: um so it addresses um, sexism and it addresses racism and it addresses uh land stewardship basically so you know i think one of the things that we um that we expect from natural wine, and one of these things that you hear all the time uh is that this guy is or isn't organic, right? Like the 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 baseline standard for natural wine is that everybody's working without systemic chemicals in the vineyards, um, either certified organic or biodynamic or you know, some sort of governing body that's taking a look at it. And so we want people to sign that they're doing this, right? And in many cases, um a lot of people don't like the uh the administrative aspects of working with a a governing body over this. And so they say, well, we don't use any of these chemicals. Okay, I'd like to see you at least sign it and acknowledge it out loud.
0: Through saying you don't uh, require, let's say, um, certification for um, organic or biodynamic, Um, what about the new French uh, natural wine certification, the vin method nature? that
1: um so we we pretty much do require organic or biodynamic certifications for our portfolio
0: Um,
1: there you might be able to comb through a winery and find our 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 list and have two or three producers who aren't you know who are just like very anarchistic and Mm -hmm. don't want to be part of any system type of thing um but they're really the the minority we really uh request and expect organic certifications i think there's a lot of Uh, I think there's a lot of lack of transparency in this. A lot of people say that the certifications are expensive. That's untrue. Um, You know, it's the labor that's expensive. Um, It's true that to do the work is expensive, but the actual certification is quite easy. And and in, you know, Europe, you get a tax credit for it. Um, And in California, it's also not very expensive. It's related to, like, the size of your production. So, um, you know, I don't really like that excuse that I hear very often, um, or that the administrative work is too much. Like, I, I don't really buy that either. It's just not that much work. I've talked to it, I've talked about it with producers all over the world for a long time. Um, so we expect certifications. Um, the, the certification that you're talking about, the new one in France, um, I think does require uh, EcoCert, for gameter certifications um, as like a first step to its process. Yeah, And we love that certification. I think it's really good. I think it's really transparent. It delineates between, you know, zero, zero, which is like some people's definition of natural wine, and a little bit of sulfur added, which is like, I think, a a larger group of people's definition of natural wine. Uh, But it tells the consumer what's going on. I think there's a transparency aspect to that that is really well thought out. Um, I hope a lot of people adopt it. We'll see, we'll see over time if it becomes effective. Labor rights issues are a major part of the contract. Um, you know, we're gonna learn a lot from the from the Pasolacqua situation, but you know, the the labor rights issues in, in vineyard work is not isolated to um Italy. It's most prevalent probably in the world in California. Um, you know, there's there's certain pockets, um in Spain and Italy and some other places where it's pretty prevalent. So, you know, I've learned um, that we need to be more diligent in certain areas um, than we do in other places, but uh, it is is a request that, you know, if you don't work your vines yourself, if you don't manage your team yourself, that you are doing your due diligence of whatever vineyard management company that you're working with um, and checking their payroll records and making sure that they're doing, you know, that they're treating their workers the way that they're supposed to. Um, so that's a major element of it.
0: Right. So are you working with someone, um, on this? And, um, when we spoke about, um, this a couple of weeks ago, we talked about also, um, expecting people to pay minimum wage. Um, and you guys are trying to see if there's any way to surpass minimum wage.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, um, It depends on the country that you're talking about and what the minimum wage is, right? Like I think it's really hard to just put a broad brush on what we think is like the right wage for somebody to be paid. Um, You know, standards are different in different places. Uh, Cost of living is different in different places. You know, the minimum wage in New York City is higher than it is in other places because the the living expenses are so high. Um, So, you know, we would like people to pay above the legal minimum. I think that that's kind of like the least that people should be doing um, in terms of respecting their land workers. Um, But, you know, it's also, it's also about how you treat them. Um, You know, when you have a bunch of harvesters come, are you putting them up in a nice place? Are you feeding them nice food? Are you, you know, um, are you trying to, to put efforts toward the standards of living of people all over, right? In everything that you do. So, you know, we, we try to push people into those directions.
0: And, um, and are you working with a labor lawyer on this?
1: Yeah, we're working with a labor lawyer on it. Um, you know, each section we're trying to find, um, you know, somebody who's really educated and really articulate in uh, that topic um, to be able to, you know, kind of write it out in a way that's intelligent and thoughtful and fair. It's not just me, like, writing this whole thing out.
0: And um, what about sexist and racist behavior? Are you also working with someone on that?
1: Yes, I am. Um, I'm working with uh, Ashton Berry on on the, on the racism aspect of it. Um, and she's kind of helping me a lot with the whole structure of it in the sense that uh, we're first basically applying it to our company. So this is a, this is a contract of behavior that's going to first be applied to us. and. Um, and then we'll adapt it and uh, apply it to our suppliers. You know, I don't want to like make a huge thing about it, but like, you know, the labor rights issues in the wine industry are not uh, just in vineyard work, right, and harvesters. I think a, a category where people miss that a lot, and of course this relates to the sexism and the racism, is in the service industry, you know. Um, how many of us wholesalers are paying health insurance? Right, we're in America. We're presumably uh, liberal people. If we're in the if we're in the natural wine world, and if you're a wholesaler and you have and you have employees and you're not paying, you know, health insurance, then you're, you know, being complicit with the with with Trump's idea of healthcare in America, and you know you're taking the tax cuts that he gave you um the corporate tax that you got in the tax you know in the trump tax cuts and you're not applying it to your the health care of your employees so you know that's a labor rights violation like in my mind um you know how many how do we treat the people at the lower levels of the of the restaurant industry the dishwashers and the bussers and the you know the people that are the lowest wage earners are we paying their health insurance are we taking proper care of them are we paying them you know minimum wage or above um you know i think that we need to be considerate of the entire supply chain um you know i don't know if i'm going to have all of my clients sign the contract saying that they're paying everybody's health insurance but like you know it would be nice if people did
0: Okay, and um, back to um, sexist and racist behavior. Does, do they exist on a spectrum? Um, you know, are there gray areas, and how do you deal with them? Um, maybe we can start off with you know, a lot of times, well, there have been talks about wine labels. How do you differentiate between something that is you know, provocative, sexual, porn- pornographic, slash you know, funny versus sexist?
1: Um, I consult with those uh who are educated on the topic and who those who might feel harm from the labels right like so I try to talk to women about it and how it makes them feel and I tried in a label like you're talking about that has like a, a sexual type of content on it um you know i'm i to be dealing with a label right now that I think has um racist. Connotations to it, and you know, are not being respectful of a person that's um, that's whose image is on the label, um, and so yeah, I take every you know, you take every one of these instances one by one, um, and yeah, I think there was like a movement in natural wine to have like sexy, fun, weird labels, um, and I think that you know, we live in a racist patriarchy right and so we are conditioned not to necessarily see uh the harm that these things do um unless you put effort into educating yourself on it and you know we have many winemakers who i think are are fundamentally really good people who might not have done the work um to understand how you know sexism and racism really works and how it how it affects people um so you know we would confront a situation like that by trying to explain it to the wine producer by providing them you know reading and um and ways to educate themselves on it, and if they choose you know that they don't want to grow and that they don't want to you know learn and educate then it's like a then it's a relationship that we can't go forward with you know.
0: What has the response been to um producers? Because one can also argue that, you know, some people say, you know, you know, the US it's too politically correct, etc. Like how has the response been with some of your European um producers? Have they been generally receptive or that you, you kind of have to make them understand what the situation is, etc.? Um
1: there is, I, I have definitely noticed a significant European sentiment uh, with the idea that America is too sensitive about all these issues. And um, I see what they're talking about, but I respectfully, you know, disagree. Um, you know, I'm not sure that we do everything right in America, Um let's, let me correct that. We do so many things wrong in America all the time. Um, and even on the way that we approach these types of things um but we approach them in a way and it it changes culture for the better all over the world you know we have all sorts of legislation that's happened in america that has been repeated in the rest of the world um you know we tend to be um a leader at least in the discussion of these things um and you know it's time to evolve like you can't go around groping people like i know that that feels normal in europe in some ways but it's just not so, no, just can't do it anymore. And, you know, if, and it, you know, it's not like I hate these people. It's not like I, I have like a deeply negative feeling against somebody that doesn't see this the way that I see it. It's just, they just can't be in our portfolio. You know, they'll find another importer, there's plenty of them out there.
0: So, I mean, would you still generally say it's they do accept it, but, or there are people who just say, well, then don't, don't, uh, don't import this because I'm keeping the, 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 the label.
1: I've seen it happen both ways. Um, I've seen it happen both ways. But, you know, somebody who won't change their label, right? Like, I'm not saying that, like, my perspective is always right, but I'll do the research on it and try to, you know, provide good information. If you see all that and I really feel like this is not a correct thing and you just choose not to change it and you're like, well, buy a different QV, that kind of puts you in the category of somebody that's not interested in growing, you know, that's not interested in starting, you know, uh, that's not interested in thinking about these issues. And that's kind of a problem, you know, that that will likely crop up in other arenas, you know. Most people that, that like are sensitive to the sense that they don't want to hurt other people by like putting something on their label, like that's a, that's a personality trait to some degree, you know.
0: Yeah. So you've now uh, made it obvious that the first link in the supply chain can impose some checks and balances um, are there and but being based in the u s one imagines that enforcing the contract can maybe at times be difficult. Are there any solutions to this, or is it just a matter of you know putting people on notice?
1: I think it's just a regular due diligence, you know you just have to um... You have to build relationships with your whiners, you know, and like you it, you can't just go and tell somebody that I think your label is racist and, you know, or sexist and you need to change it. Like you have to have some uh, cultural capital with this person, you know, to the point where they're going to listen to you and they're going to, you know, and, and you develop that by spending time with them, by you know, eating dinner at their house, by seeing them out at salons, by by walking the vineyards, by talking with them, by having them to the market in America and seeing how they behave. Um, you know, you we're working with these people, like we're trying to improve everybody's experience in natural wine. Um, so you know, we're also not trying to ostracize anybody or um put anybody out. We're really trying to like educate and develop and all um, our industry
0: so you mentioned you know so the working contract would be something you would um, use with your wineries um, your employees and also the restaurants and the retailers you work with have you already spoken to people about this and what has the response been so far
1: I've spoken to a bunch of people about it and most people think it's a really great idea um, you know I don't know, maybe it seems like a great idea until like you break one of the things, but um, I don't know. I, I haven't had like a lot of kickback on it. I, you know almost everybody I've talked to uh, is excited about it. I think and- that it's you know time for something like that to happen. You know the, these contracts exist uh, very they're very common in like the, the larger corporate world um, you know, and we here in the natural wine world who consider ourselves more progressive, consider ourselves maybe not like uh, perpetrators of these types of problems, don't have this type of um, uh, wording as a, as a backbone or structure to the way that we operate. Um, and so I think, it's, you know, we're overdue on that. If we're going to talk a, a progressive game, um, you know, we should put it on paper.
0: Do you think, let's say, your working contract is something you would be willing to share with, say, other importers?
1: Yeah, I am happy to share it with people, but, you know, it's not that easy. Um, It's not like, so it's not that I'm not willing to share it with somebody, but if they're going to use it, they have to use it, right? Like, um, how many of, everybody has to look through their current portfolios as they are today um, and be able to say all of our producers can sign this. I don't know how many importers out there, you know, can do that. I think a lot of the really smaller ones, you know, that have a handful of producers can do that. I don't know how many of the ones that, you know, have 50 plus producers can, can easily do that. But yes, I'm, I'm not trying to like hoard this. I think that like, it would be nice if it became an industry standard overall.
0: Okay. Um, I think that's the end of my questioning. Is there anything okay. else you would like to share?
1: Um, no, I don't know. You know, I, just that, you know, we're not trying to go out and maybe I said this in other ways, but I'm not trying to go out and, um, you know, cancel anybody or hurt anybody's uh, financial futures. We're just trying to make sure that everybody feels, um, you know, safe and considered in the not Wine world. And I think that's like what we're trying to get to.
0: Okay. Well, Zev, you are setting industry standards, at least for the uh, wine, natural wine slash wine industry. And um, thank you very much for doing this.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for uh, talking to me about it.
0: Thank you so much for listening. If you have any comments, suggestions for topics or interviewees, please reach out on Instagram at Podcast or on our website at ungraftedpodcast.com.